0: So, we're going to continue the series that we've been doing with the basics of uh, uh, Back to the Basics. And if you remember, technically, kind of what we're doing is going through the book of Romans, right? We started off talking about here's the gospel. In fact, we had to kind of go back and say, okay, God exists, first of all, right? And we have to be able to acknowledge that. Uh, and we have to acknowledge the fact that we are. Right for judgment for his judgment, based upon the fact that we have the sin nature that we've inherited from adam, and uh speaking about the folks in alabama r l um, he's he's still dealing with some of the covid leftover stuff, plus he's got some other issues too so um but he he always anytime he talks about it, he's like thanks adam <laughs> for 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 this, so you know it's 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 interesting. Uh, as we go through thinking about these things, um, then we then we started talking about the fact that we can have eternal life uh, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The faith of Christ, actually, that was put on display throughout His life, but more so, uh, what He did on the cross, right? <clears throat> and then um, where we've left off last week is we or before that we started talking about. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, remember we start off in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, with how to rightly divide the Bible, because once you get to Romans chapter 9, the obvious question is, okay, so what's going on with Israel? So um, that's what Paul deals with in Romans 9, 10, and 11. And so then we've we've started taking a look at the basics of right division, really. Uh, we we remember that we're dealing with time past, Right? the but now and then ages to come now one of the things that we've talked about within this is uh, last week there was um, we went back to Daniel um, chapter 9 dealing with the 70 weeks and we found out that there were 70 weeks that were determined upon his people Israel right so we talked about those, those those 70 weeks they were divided up in what Seven weeks, 62 weeks, and then there was one week left over, right? And we talked about, according to the prophetic calendar, the thing that should have taken place after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ should have been that 70th week, right? Well, what we come to find out is God actually, through a parable in Luke chapter 13, extended that time period by a year. Right. We talked about after the crucifixion of Christ, there was that one-year period of time, and that's kind of where we are right now. So I want us to keep that in mind. But in the the thought process of what the the let me do this one year, so we're not getting caught up with the one week there. In the in the grand scheme of things, as they're going through that Old Testament time frame, that's what they're that's what they know of, right? in their mind, the next thing that should happen after that one-year period should be that 70th week. All right, so then let's take a look at some things. Let's start off here in in Acts chapter one. We'll take a look at a few things and uh, continue on in in the the series here. Acts chapter one, verse one. The former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this information, uh, may we come to a clearer knowledge and understanding of your word that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. We thank you for this day, we thank you for your word, and we thank you most of all for Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray, amen. <clears throat> now, one of the things that we've talked about back here is when Jesus Christ, well, let's do it this way. That 62-week 62, that 62 period of time encompasses 434 years, right? Uh, we didn't really go through and talk about the fact that each of those weeks are one, one set of seven years, so you've got 49 years here. Four hundred and thirty-four years there, and then you've got seven years left over, right? So that's the idea that we that we've got as as far as that goes. And we talked about that period of time of the 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 silence, right, where God no longer spoke from Malachi until we get to what we find out in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, that also encountered or included the life of Christ, and of course, we found out after. The 69 weeks, we're going to have the Messiah is going to be cut off, but not for himself, right? We looked at those passages back in Daniel, and hopefully we can remember those things as we go through here. But what happens is, um, go real quick, hold your place here in Acts. Go real quick to Matthew chapter 3, and uh, let's just remind ourselves of some things um, that, that we want to make sure that we keep, keep in mind, right? So back here in the Old Testament, you know before, before those 69 or those 70 weeks began, we know that there was a period of time where between Genesis 1 and Genesis 11, um, all people were Gentiles, right? Everybody was Gentiles. So 1 through 11, in Genesis chapter 1 through 11, we have everybody' a Gentile, right? In in Genesis chapter 12, what happens is God calls out Abraham, right? And says, I'm going to do something with you and your seed, right? And then you have Abraham, then you've got Isaac, then you've got Jacob. And then uh, hopefully we know Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And of course, Jacob has 12 sons. And then those are going to be the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel, right? So God's doing something specific with that group down there. And then there's this group down here that's kind of left out, if you think of it that way. They're not really. Because what God's going to do, and and one of the problems with people out there that think that they understand dispensationalism, and then they fuss at us, and they'll say, well, Gentile salvation has always been in the Scriptures. Yeah, no one's ever said it wasn't, right? What we preach isn't that Gentiles were never going to be saved. The only thing that we preach is what the bible preaches that the only way that gentiles could be saved is through the nation of israel that's That's a completely different thing that doesn't mean that they had no chance of salvation they did but they had to do it through god's chosen nation it's the way god set it up right what we know today is gentiles can be saved without the nation of israel in fact gentiles can now be saved because of what christ did on the cross right. And so that's that's different than what most people think that we teach. Now, what happens is you ask me a question this week why do a lot of people think that dispensations are anti-Semitic because of that? Because we admit that Romans chapter 11 says the nation of Israel fail. Why? Cuz the book says it. That's right. Right? Now, a lot of people will say, well, you're against Israel and all that stuff. No, But we're not Acts 2 John Hagee type people that say, if we go bless Israel, then God's going to bless us because God's not doing that today. He's doing something completely different. When you say something like that, people say, well, that's anti-Semitic. It's not. It's Scripture. This is God's book. It's His Word, right? And whatever people want to do with it, just as Paul says, as though we be slanderously reported and some even affirm that we say, you know what? Let them go say what they want to say, and let's, let's keep working, right? But, I mean, that's where that stuff comes from, is because we actually look at what the Bible says. Now, what happens is God sets, sets aside Moses, right? God gives Moses the law. Now, what we found out back here is God set up a wall, a middle wall partition between these two people, which was that act of circumcision. What God then did is he said, I'm going to give these people up here the law and that's going to fortify that wall, right? And so then that's going to make that difference. And the whole time is, he's talking about there's going to be a kingdom. There's going to be a kingdom, a literal, visible, physical, earthly kingdom here on the earth. There's a 400 some odd year period of time where there is no, no, no speaking about this however when you go back to malachi what's malachi talked to us about is what we see here in matthew chapter 3 notice matthew chapter 3 verse 1. in those days talking about in the context there is christ um, growing up as a young child right you see over in chapter 2 verse 20 and 21 a young child in in nazareth he's a nazarene in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying what? Repent ye for what? The kingdom is what? At hand. Do you know what he's saying? The kingdom that your Old Testament prophets were talking about is not yet offered, but it's at hand. So then what happens is John the Baptist is talked about back there in malachi so when somebody sees when somebody comes and they're dressed this particular way and they're preparing the way of the lord pay attention to him right continue on matthew chapter 4 verse 17 this is right after jesus christ is tempted on the mount get over here to verse 17 it says from that time jesus began to preach and to say Repent for the kingdom of heaven is what? At hand, all right? Is it being offered yet? No, but it's at hand. You now, you're about to have an opportunity, Israel, to get this kingdom, and from that kingdom, then you're going to be able to go and preach to the rest of the world, here's salvation, come to us, come to the kingdom through us. And the way you do that is you have to go all the way back to Abraham, bless those that bless them, and curse them that curse them. You go over to Matthew 25 and you see that when he says he separates those on his left and his right and he says, come ye blessed, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. He's talking to, he's talking to Gentiles at that time who's blessed the nation of Israel says, come in. And then the ones on his, on his other hand, he says what? Depart because you didn't bless them. And we know where they go. We'll talk about that here in a few weeks. But Jesus Christ is what? Same thing that John the Baptist is preaching the kingdom is at hand, all right. The kingdom that everybody's been talking about, that your prophets that you killed every single time God sent them your way, the same thing that they were talking about, it's at hand. Now, back over in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, we actually have the offer of the kingdom, right? Remember, at the end of that, at the end of Jesus Christ's earthly ministry, what happens is. He's crucified, right? And then we remember last week where Jesus Christ says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And from that point, he gets a one-year period of time based on that parable in Luke 13, right? And Luke 23 is when he actually says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And we said last time, he's, he and it's really interesting because, you know, we talked about the seal. The person who can, who can seal you is also the person who can unseal you and he won't do it. Well, it's the same thing with this is the person that can forgive them or change that. I shouldn't say forgive them, but the, well, yeah, ultimately, but the person that can change that from murder, which there is no sacrifice for, to manslaughter is the one that they murdered. And he says, I'm going to forgive you because you did it ignorantly in unbelief. And so then God grants that one year period. That's where we are here in Acts chapter one. So when we're here in Acts chapter one, verse one, says, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus. Well, it's interesting is if you go back to Luke chapter 1, you see almost the same start to Luke. So then Luke is the one that wrote Luke, and Luke is the one that wrote Acts. And you can see that former treatise, have I made, O Theophilus. That former treatise that he's talking about there is the book of Luke. Okay, so let's keep on going. Um of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after that 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 he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So he's talking about, you've got the death, burial, resurrection, and you've got the ascension of Jesus Christ, right? That's what he's dealing with there. Verse three, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Um, hold your place there. Go over to 1 Corinthians 15. One of the really interesting things as we take a look at this stuff is, you remember when we were going through talking about the signs and all that stuff? One of the things that we talked about is what's the burial of Jesus Christ proved that he died, right? We talked about that. His resurrection proved something else. His resurrection and his ascension and his glorification, the fact that the Holy Spirit came shows us that he was fully accepted of God. What he did, what the sacrifice that he made was fully accepted of God because he told him, says, If if I'm glorified, then the, then the Spirit's gonna come. Well the Spirit came. We we're not talking about that yet, but that's where we're going, right? So there were many infallible proofs. Notice here in First Corinthians chapter fifteen. The death, burial, and resurrection is the most important thing that if we don't get that stuff right then we're going to mess up everything else and honestly the rest of the Bible means absolutely nothing if you don't get that straight All right? you're not going to be able to understand God's word if you don't have that down, if you don't have that that you're trusting in then the rest of the Bible is going to make absolutely no total sense with, to us Okay. so notice here and that's the issue that Paul's dealing with here is his resurrection All right? Um, verse 1 Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, which is really interesting, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Now, Here's some of those infallible proofs. Notice verse 5. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. So right there you have many infallible proofs that he rose from the dead, right? So then you've got all those folks there that can attest to he rose from the dead. Eyewitness accounts. Well, what's interesting, you go over to Peter and you find out Peter says what? We have a, sure, a more sure word of prophecy wherein you do well, you take heed. That even though I saw Christ transfigured before me, I've got it written down in a book and I can actually believe the book. So that's why a lot of times he's telling us go to the book, don't go to the stories because the stories are going to lead you away every single time. Back here in Acts chapter 1. Now the fact that we have the written account of the stories in, in 1 Corinthians 15, it's more sure. Right? Walk by faith and not by sight. Walk by faith and not by sight, absolutely. Verse 3. all right. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. To whom he showed himself after alive uh, after uh, alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the of, of of the things pertaining to what. the kingdom of god so what they were preaching back here in Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 10 what is what is it that these guys for 40 days What is it that they're talking to him about? What is it that Christ is talking to him about? The body of Christ is getting ready to be started. Is that what he says? He's talking to him about the things that are pertaining to the kingdom of God. The thing that I've been talking... In fact, that's what he says in verse 1, right? Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Those things are the same things that they're talking about here. How do we know that they're tracking with what he's saying? Doesn't that that question sound like they were paying attention to what he was teaching them for 40 days? They knew exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for, not only is that kingdom at hand, but it's about to be offered to the nation of Israel. And that would allow salvation of the Gentiles through that nation. Hold your place here. Go back to... uh, see which one do I want <clears throat> go back to uh, go back to Matthew 28 and uh, on your way there stop at mark 16 Matthew 28 mark 16. Matthew twenty-eight, Mark sixteen. Bruce, um, Mark sixteen. Anything missing out of the new Bibles? Let me see. A whole section of it, right? Actually, if you got a Jehovah's Witness Bible, it's, the last part is gone. Yeah. No resurrection of Christ. Yeah. Um, notice here in Matthew twenty-eight. I, I'm figured. I, I was. I was shocked you didn't yell at me and say, "Hey, that's not in that those other Bibles." um matthew 28 verse 18 so this is after the death burial, and resurrection of christ we get here to my uh to, to matthew 28 notice verse 18 <clears throat> and jesus came and spake unto them and to them in the context is if you look at verse 16 it's the 11 disciples went away into galilee into a mountain right Verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, when you read that, that is what most folks call the great commission of the church. We're to go into all the world. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Depends on what kind of church you go to. It might just be in the name of Christ. Right? But the verse there says they're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. How is that baptism going to take place? It's going to be a physical baptism in water. How's that going to be? Sprinkling, just like what we see in Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 4, 10, and so on, right? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Well, when Christ was here on the earth, who is He here to talk to? Israel. Israel. He. When the Seraphinician woman comes up, what's He say? I am not sent for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's right. So then, there is certain things that go along with that. Was there a separation between those two? There absolutely was. So when we're over in Acts chapter one, is there a separation between those two? Absolutely, and we're going to see that in a moment. Um, Go to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Stop there for a second. Which gospel? The kingdom gospel, right? And we're going to see that here in a moment. That, that's, that's the gospel that He's telling them to go preach. Is He telling them to go preach about the fact that I died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day? No. Notice. He that believeth. Believeth what? That gospel and is baptized shall be saved now one of the reasons a lot of these last few verses in fact 9 through 9 through 20 in some bibles aren't even there right or they're there and they say they shouldn't be there one of the two Um, and one reason why is because there's a lot here that you have to deal with if you accept the king james bible notice he that believeth and is baptized Shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So, if you don't believe but you get baptized, what happens? You're damned. That's one reason why people don't like these verses. Yeah, I, I don't either. I'm, I'm glad. We'll have a new version that says condemned instead of damned. Yeah. Watered it down a little bit. Watered it down, right? Yeah. Verse 17. And these signs... What's that next word? Shall. shall, shall. Um, does it say might follow? It says shall follow, right? And these signs shall follow them that what? Believe. Believe. Believe what? The gospel. Not that the signs will actually happen, but if they believe the gospel, what's going to take place is these signs will follow them that believe the gospel. Not them that believe the signs are going to happen. And that's that's one of those other things that a lot of folks will do. Context is king, right? In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if, any, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Every one of those things are shalls, right? If they believe the gospel, this is going to happen. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they sent forth and preached everywhere the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Now, go over to Matthew chapter 10, because I want us to be able to see something else, uh, because we're going to get Matthew chapter 10 and another verse in Acts. When he's received up out of their sight, we know that they're going to go and preach a kingdom that's being offered. Right? Notice Matthew chapter 10 Verse 23. Matthew chapter 10, verse 23. The context here, if you look at verse 7, well, let's look at verse 5. Jesus Christ calls out his twelve. Verse 5: These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not in the way of the Gentiles. Question: How can you go to all the world when you're told and you're commanded not to go to the Gentiles? It's impossible. So then, I want you to think about this. When he says, go ye into all the world, is he talking about Gentiles in Matthew 28 and Mark 16? Not yet. Right? We'll talk about that. Go not in the way of the Gentiles and into any city of Samaritans, enter ye not. So this is a commission that they're given when he first calls out the 12. He says, you're going to who? Notice, verse 6. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying... The kingdom of heaven is what? At hand. Okay? This is their original commission. Notice in verse 23. But when they persecute you in this city, by the way, who's talking in verse 23? Jesus, talking. Jesus Christ is talking. I want you to notice this. Flee ye into another, for verily I say unto you, who's the I there? Christ. Who's the you there? The twelve. Right? Right? Verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. He's standing there in front of them saying, you're not going to be able to go through all the cities of Israel till the Son of Man come. He's not talking about right then. He's talking about there's a future time when the Son of Man comes after that 70th week of Daniel he says, then you're going to be able to go to the whole world, right? You're not going to get through the cities of Israel through this time. And notice this. Go over to, go over to Acts real quick. Acts chapter 1. Back in Acts chapter 1. <clears throat> We'll pick back up with verse 7. Notice, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So when they're asking, Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What's he say? It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. They're living in this one year period right now, right? So they should know that shortly around that one year period, there should be something taking place, right? They should know that, but what's interesting is, does he ever say no, that the kingdom's not going to be restored because it's in your heart? No. Notice verse, verse 8, and this is, this is where I want to go with what we were just talking about. Verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Isn't that what we just read over in Matthew 28 and also Mark 16? which has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, then what? Samaria. Samaria? I thought they weren't allowed to go to Samaria. Right? In Matthew 10, he said, don't go to any cities of the Samaritans in or you not, right? So something's different. So what he's doing is he's telling them there's an order to this. Then what? To the uttermost parts of the earth. So I want you to see this order. Why is it that it gives us that order? Well, Jerusalem, that's your hometown, right? Judea, that's your state. Samaria, that's your country. Earth, well, that's the earth. That's the only one will allow to be the earth. Is that right? How many, of those, how many of those 12 guys were from Jerusalem? How many of those... Was that their hometown? None of them. They're all Galileans, right? right. We get over another, the next chapter and they say, aren't these all Galileans? How do we hear them in our own language? There's an order that he's going through here. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, then the uttermost parts of the earth. What did Christ just say? You're not going to go through the, through the cities of Israel till the Son of Man comes. Could they go preach to every creature that kingdom message? Not until Christ came back. Right. Okay. So then, question. Can we, hypothetical here, normal Baptist church, can a Baptist church preach that kingdom to the rest of the world? No, not until Christ comes back. If you're going to go by the verse, you have to go by the verse. right? <coughs> but why is there a difference between Jeremiah and Judah? or Judea Jerusalem was what the two southern tribes mm-hmm. Judea was what the ten northern tribes there's a split there right mm-hmm. he's got to get those together first you remember two sticks. the two sticks right you remember the, the other flock? Those that are in the flock that's not really in the flock? That's who Christ is talking about. And that's something that I want us to be able to study too. That's what he's talking about. The two sticks, you go back to the Old Testament, which we don't have time for now. You go back to the Old Testament, you find out there's two sticks. He's going to make those two sticks one. Two southern tribes, ten northern tribes. He's got to get them together first. Then they get to go to Samaria. Then they get to go to the rest of the earth, which are these folks down here, right? You realize if we were living at that time, we're last. Mm-hmm. You know the good thing about that is in the kingdom, those who are last are first. That's interesting. Go do something with that sometime, study that out. But here's 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 my point. What I want us to be able to see. When these folks, when 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 the new 12, which we've not got 12 yet in chapter 11, when the folks that he's, te- he's teaching to here, when they go out, they're going out with the kingdom gospel and they have to go to Jerusalem. That's why he says go to Jerusalem and wait for power on high. They have to start at Jerusalem. He starts there. Once they get them, then they can go to Judea. So then, think about this. What has to take place before they can go to Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth is really, Christ has to come back. Do we realize, you know, a lot of times we, one of the worst things in the world is having your identity stolen, right? When we say that, and I'm not saying we do, but when churchianity says that's our commission, we're stealing something from people that's going to do something during the millennial kingdom that we can't accomplish, but they can. Mm-hmm. And if we don't know where we are in the Bible and what we're supposed to be doing, we're going to be running around with like a chicken with our head cut off. Wasting time. Wasting time. And we're not redeeming the time. Yeah. They have to be the priest to continue that with the absolutely so there, there's a whole bunch of other things and what's interesting is people's like y'all are nuts <laughs> okay um, I'll, I'll deal with that let's just keep going right but there's other things that have to take place and to not only steal the spiritual identity of Israel and say it's us but to still, their commission that they started here and they're going to fulfill up over there is even worse. That's, yeah. that's more, huh? That's more my Absolutely, it is. So then, when you think about that, <clears throat> when you look at that stuff, you look at that and you say, okay, let's move on. Let's go get back to work and, and redeem the time, right? Because the days are evil. We shouldn't be shocked that that stuff is out there. What we do is okay, get back to the book, right mm-hmm. notice um, <clears throat> chapter two, and I know I'm skipping around a little bit in the, at the end of chapter one, at the end of chapter one, they have to replace Judas, right, so the replacement for Judas, who is it well, that's Paul, right no, no. it's not paul Paul's that thirteenth that strange thirteenth apostle, anyway. <laughs> They got in a hurry. They didn't wait on God, even though they did exactly what God had them do. And in fact, the Holy Spirit puts his stamp of approval on Matthias by filling Matthias with the Holy Spirit. But as you go through there, they, they've got, they've got all, these, all these men who are standing around. And he says, I need to find whoever's qualified. There's only two. That's what's interesting. There's only two people out of all the people that are there that are qualified and he 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 picks out he picks out Matthias, all right? Chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 1, and when Peter or when the the day of Pentecost was fully come, they, who's the they, the 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 folks that were there before there, you notice in verse 26, And they gave their gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Wouldn't it be amazing to have the body of Christ in one accord to be doing what we're all supposed to be doing? You, want to, you know, everybody's always looking for this Holy Ghost power in Acts chapter 2. Well, you could get it if you got the Bible right if you'd allow the book to be the book and not make it something that we want it to be, not that it's going to be some miraculous thing. However, the body of Christ can actually get done what it needs to get done if everybody got in accord. It's my soapbox moment. Notice, verse verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as, a, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. They are those there, right? And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. By the way, this is not the baptism of fire that that John's talking about in Matthew chapter 3. Okay, That's not this baptism. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What's interesting is, in verse 1, it says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Question, is Pentecost a Jewish feast or a Gentile feast? It's a Jewish feast. Is there a difference between these two people? Still, absolutely there is, right? Notice verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That right there you can say the Holy Spirit puts his stamp of approval on Matthias by filling him and the Spirit gave them utterance. Right? To do what? To be able to go and preach the gospel. Notice, drop down to Verse seven. Uh, well, verse six. Now, when the, well, this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language, and they were all amazed and marvelled, saying one to another, "Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we are we were born?" Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia and all Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia, in Egypt and all the parts of Libya, about Cyrene and and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongue the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another, What meaneth this? You know what's interesting? You go back here, right before God calls out Abraham, you've got the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, right? You think about this real quick. You're having a conversation with somebody, and all of a sudden you can't understand what they say. (coughs) Wouldn't you be confounded by that? Wouldn't you marvel at that? Wouldn't you be amazed why can we were just talking and all of a sudden I can't understand you? Mm -hmm. Now i got to go find somebody that talks like me. The exact opposite of that happened here. All of a sudden, people were hearing all these languages and that guy who I couldn't hear a second ago and understanding, now I can. Wouldn't your question be, what meaneth this? Yeah, wouldn't you think possibly back at the Tower of Babel a couple guys and gals or whatever got together and they're like, what's the meaning of this? Right, that's speculation, but we see it happen here when all of a sudden they can hear people and understand them that they didn't a moment ago. Others mocking says, these men are full of new wine, but Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them, what? You blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Is that what he said? Huh? You blaspheme the Holy Ghost. Don't okay. <clears throat> mocking. That's what these called. he say. Yeah, yeah. No, they'll do that. <coughs> he says what? Ye men of Judea. Look down to verse 22. Ye men of Israel. Verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know. Who's he talking to? Talking to those folks up there, not these people down here. So then, go real quick. Chapter 3, verse 12. Because after the the resurrection of Christ, everything changed, right? That's what we're told. Chapter 3, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, what? Ye men of Israel. And you go down through there in verse 12 and verse 14. Verse 17. You see the word ye and you and ye and ye. Verse 19. Repent ye therefore. Who's he talking to? Those people. (coughs) That... Repent ye, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. I was having a conversation with a guy uh, a week or so ago, and he was talking to me about, you know, how some of the kids at school, how they're acting and things like that, and he's like, man, we just need repentance." And I was like, you don't even know what you're talking about. So we're having a conversation. And I had to. I had, I was trying to get him to see repent's not feeling sorry for your sins. Repent, and he was like, you know, people always think of it as turning one eighty and going this way. <clears throat> and I was like, none of those are right. God repented, God repented four times in the Old Testament. What I'm sin sure. did he need to be be afraid of? None. He had none. He never will have any. So then to make repentance, to take that word and change its identity. You know, we're living in a world where people are trying to change their identity. I'm going by so-and-so, they, them is my pronouns or whatever it is. That's not new. That goes all the way back to Genesis 3. I can make you be as gods, knowing both good and evil. Eve says, well, I don't like this identity. I'm going to take this other identity that's not mine. <laughs> exactly. And so then when, you, when we look at those things, that's the kind of things we have to keep, keep in mind. <clears throat> so when we look at these, remember, the, the, the kingdom here is what's being offered now <clears throat> to these folks by accepting Christ as their Messiah. The repenting that they needed to do, the changing of their mind they needed to do is to stop thinking about this guy as not your Messiah, but accept him as your Messiah. At the end of that one year period, and I know we're running low on time, Acts chapter 7. Huh? Yeah, we've got the room till 5, but... Acts chapter 7, I guarantee you, folks online will not stick around. And I don't even think, most. Of, I, I might be the only one left if I kept going till 5. I'll be here. Well, yeah. <clears throat> you, all, you all already turned in your key for your room, right? So yeah. you can't go lie down. So Acts chapter 7, we'll just talk about this very briefly, and we'll pick up with this. <clears throat> Acts chapter 7. Verse fifty one, this is Stephen. <clears throat> he says, "You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye." And he goes down through here, and he's talking to them about the the one that you crucified is the one that you should have accepted. We get down here to verse fifty five but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. We talked about that the last time when he looks up at the end of Acts chapter 7 and he sees Jesus Christ standing at the throne of God the right hand of God the Father what does everybody there know is supposed to happen next His wrath. They know that that is without a doubt the next thing that's supposed to take place. Question, did it? No. Why not? There's something that God hid in Himself from before the foundation of the world that He is going to reclaim the earth and the heavens. That's a whole new thing that if we miss, the reason the Bible starts off in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth is because God has a purpose for both of those. God creates a place to dwell in. And he chooses the earth and the heaven to dwell there. Now, why does he... Why does he need to do something different there is because Satan doesn't know that you're about to be evicted is really what's going to happen, right? So we'll stop there for now. Remember, according to Old Testament, that doesn't exist. There's your ages to come, according to them. Something's changed. And we'll take a look at that next time.